1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 to chapter 2, verse 3. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and the enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Hello, my name is Evan. I'm on the pastoral team here at All Saints Anew. It's great to be with you, opening the Word of God together. Uh, We're going to be continuing our series, as Sam said, looking at the uh, first letter of Peter. Um, yeah, please keep your Bibles open. We're going to keep looking at uh, and referring back to 1 Peter, so keep that open. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll get into it. But before we do, how about we pray and uh, devote this time to God. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we come before you now, knowing that we need you in our lives, in our, uh, in our hearts at work. Uh, Lord, please be giving us uh, eyes to see you. Please be softening our hearts to your word uh, that we would see you more clearly. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Well, this series of of Standing Firm, we're going to be looking at everlasting hope this week. That's kind of our uh, our topic for the night, Um, looking at the the reading that Tilly had just read. And uh, we're going to be looking at it with three points. Uh, You should have a handout. We'll hopefully have a handout in front of you. We're going to be looking at hope on grace, hope by the imperishable, and hope that leads to love. But everlasting hope is the main uh, theme of what we're looking at today. And uh, when I think of everlasting hope, whenever anyone says the word everlasting, I can't help but think of the everlasting gobstopper. Uh, you might remember seeing it in the, the movie, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, or reading about it in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. In the movie, Willy Wonka, within his chocolate factory, has made this amazing but secret invention called the everlasting gobstopper. It's this, this lolly piece of candy that just never runs out. Uh, you can keep sucking on it. It will just keep going and going and going and going. And, and it's highly coveted in the film as well. Uh, he's strictly warning these people, don't tell anyone about this. Don't let anyone know about this secret everlasting gobstopper. It will last forever. Uh, it's everlasting. Ever since seeing that film, 
It's something that sticks out to me, to have something that will never fade, something that will never uh, get smaller, something that will last forever. It's something that could only be made up, right? Something that you could only read about in a book or see in a film. So when it comes to something like everlasting hope, what does that look like? A hope in something that will never fade. A hope in something that will certainly be fulfilled. And as we look at 1 Peter, we see this hope that is a recurring theme throughout the book. And today we're looking at hope that is indeed everlasting. And we're going to start with our first point, a hope on grace. And in our passage in front of you, we'll we'll start by reading it. Um, In verse 13, it says, Therefore, stop. Our passage starts with therefore. Whenever you see the word therefore, we need to ask ourselves, what's it there for? Uh, It helps us to look back into the context of the passage. Previously in this chapter, Peter has spoken about the salvation that believers in Jesus have. uh, How they will have to suffer, but only for a time, because they have this inheritance in a living hope. Uh, They will be persecuted. They will come under hard times, but they have a living hope in Jesus. And from that, Peter now builds on that knowledge and encourages people, and he gives them this command. Verse 13 again. Therefore, set your hope on the grace brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Hope that Peter is referring to here is one that is certain. Jesus said that he would die on the cross, and he did it. Jesus said that he would rise again, and he did. And as certain as it is that the sun will rise tomorrow, Jesus is going to come back again. He's going to return. So we can absolutely be certain that Jesus is coming back, and we can live in hope of that certainty. And with it, there's a hope on grace Jesus is giving a grace, a gift that is undeserving to us when we don't deserve it at all. And that grace is the fact that those who trust in him, those who believe in him, will be brought into the glory of God's kingdom leading into an eternity. It's a perfect future that Peter is wanting the receivers of this letter to put their hope into, hope for it. And the impact of that hope and and Hoping on that grace is knowing where our future lies, the way, uh, and it will change the way that we live today. We aim to live obedient lives to God because of what He has done for us in Jesus Christ. And so we see that we hope in something that is certain, something that is definitely going to happen. And then from this, Peter says, live obedient lives as children of God, rejecting uh, the ways of the world. But then he also shows us the character of God. God himself is holy. And then he gives this command to uh, the people. He says, be holy because I am holy. This is a repeated phrase from, from the Old Testament laws that God wanted his people to live out when they had escaped out of Egypt. God had brought them out of Egypt and he says, Be holy, therefore, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. They were to be set apart. They were to live differently. They were to act differently. 
God is holy, and his people who follow him, he wants them to know that they have been set apart. They have been chosen. They are to be holy. And this continues on from the Old Testament through Christ, and now Peter writes about it. In 1 Peter, verse 1, you will hopefully have it in front of you. Verse 1 and 2, Peter describes the people of God in two ways. He says, they are God's elect... They are God's chosen people. So God's chosen people are holy people set apart, picked out from everyone else. It sets them apart from everyone else in the world. They are set apart for a salvation in Jesus Christ. They are set apart for Jesus' good purposes, God's good purposes. And now God wants them to live holy lives. And that is why God's people will leave behind them the evil desires of the ignorant. They leave behind them lives that they once have had because God has orchestrated this salvation for them that's so much better than anything else that the world could offer. He is holy. God is holy. So then we are holy. So as an obedient child to our heavenly Father who has called upon us, The reason we live obediently is because of who God is. We we follow him because of the hope that we have in him, because of his character. Then we see another part of of God's character come out as well. The fact that uh, just under those verses that he is impartial. And so when you see how good God is, when you see how holy he is, how impartial he is, you live life for him. And so Peter is saying here that you are foreigners of this world, not only in their physical circumstances, but their spiritual as well. They are foreigners set apart for God's good purposes. And so God tells them, be holy. A holy life, holiness is something that we don't really speak about. Uh, We don't use that term all that often in, in current circles, do we? A holy life is one that is dedicated to God the Father. In the Old Testament, in the Old Testament law, the food that the uh, Israelites ate, God's people ate, the uh, animals that they sacrificed, the way that they treated people were very different to the world around them. That is, they were set apart and to live that holy life. But now, dedication is shown by obedience and not conforming to the evil desires or following other gods or forgetting about God completely. Living a holy life is, is, is easy when you're looking for something greater to come, which is what Peter is encouraging the people to do. When your life is focused on something else, when your hope is focused on the grace of Jesus Christ, then you will live a life dedicated to God. Uh, Someone from this church lives their life differently to God, to the world around them, in their workplace. Uh, At church one week, I saw him wearing a a cross around his neck, and I asked him, knowing where they work, if if they wear it around their workplace as well. I said, hey, does wearing a cross work? You know, wearing it around? He said, yeah, yeah. Um, You know, sometimes people will ask me about it, uh, and sometimes people will ask me to pray for them as well, particularly, you know, depending on the circumstance. Uh, I found that staggering. His workplace, where sharing your faith, where expressing your faith could get you the sack, he was willing to put his hope on the grace to come before his work. 
It is a hope in something certain that leads him to live a life devoted to God within his workplace. It might be different for you, maybe not your workplace, but at home or within your lives. Some of you might be parents, some of you might live quite busy uh, lifestyles. Uh, Can we make Sundays a holy day set apart for God? There'll be many things that come up, sports things, party things, birthdays, family gatherings that will often take place on a Sunday. Eliza and I, we're noticing that more and more there are, there are kids' parties and things like that, family gatherings that are uh, happening on Sundays and we just can't make as many as what we'd like to. Living a holy life might look like giving God that time to spend with His people. Be holy because our Heavenly Father is holy. That's uh, workplaces, uh, that's Sundays. Each one of you is going to have to pray about this and, and think about what living a holy life might look like for you. But, but they are two examples of what they can look like. See, we hope on grace, and we have a hope that is made by the imperishable, Peter reminds the people that it's because of God's impartiality that they can be saved. Pick it up with me um, in verse 18, though. Uh, Verse 18 of of chapter 1. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect." You see, God is impartial, and that should lead people to live for Him with reverent fear. Follow Him with reverent fear, it says in verse 17. Uh, We know that God is impartial. Uh, He will not take silver or gold, because that means each person's payments for their redemption could be different, uh, to pay for for their sins. Uh, If I pay this much to redeem myself, uh, that's... uh, for all the bad stuff that I've done, all my sin, that's going to be very different to Arthur, who only has to pay this much, or Sam, who will only have to pay this much for the sins. Um, God is impartial, though. He sees that that is a biased way of giving redemption. So we are to live in reverent fear of Him because He is impartial, He is holy, and also how He has redeemed His people. Peter writes to uh, these saints, these believers of Jesus, uh, and he says that they've been redeemed from the ways of their ancestors. Those ways were futile. Uh, they, were, they didn't actually redeem them. But to be redeemed is a phrase we don't, we don't really use that much in our, in our lives, is it? Um, we, we might use it to like redeem a pizza voucher or redeem uh, something like that. But when we say that God redeems, it means that He regains His possession, His people, in exchange for a payment. So He takes His people close to Himself for uh, the payment of something else. And it's not by silver or gold that His people have been bought. No, God pays for the redemption of His people by the blood of Christ, by the blood of His Son. And it's only through that payment that we can be redeemed. 
Uh, I asked a, a source, a trusted source, about silver and gold and just how perishable they are. And, and he said that uh, they tarnish, they uh, snap over time. Uh, they are precious metals and they can kind of prove the, um, the, you know, your wealth and, and maybe how good you've been in life or how important you are. But they are perishable. They do not last. And, and silver and gold or, or precious gems and stones are ways that people try to impress one another on earth. And they can be ways that we try to impress God. Having precious metals or stones, they're not going to redeem us though. That's not how it works. Even though they are incredibly precious, they perish. They can't be used to buy your way into God's kingdom. And the ways of, of the forefathers in the Old Testament, sacrifices and things like that, uh, didn't lead to redemption either. The sacrifices of animals in the Old Testament, they did separate God's people, made them different from the con- uh, countries and the people around them, but they were futile, Peter writes. But here is God giving up his son as an eternal payment for the redemption of his people. A payment for people from the Old Testament, from people today, and people in the future to be redeemed through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God without blemish. It does not perish. It continues to redeem people, even today, all around the globe. It's the imperishable and precious blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus, God's own son, chosen from before time, also shows how unbiased and impartial God is because that's always the way that it was planned. So your faith, if you trust in him, is in a God who saves. Your faith is in a God who gives us hope that is everlasting. Hope in the imperishable blood. Something I found interesting when reading this passage was in verse 20. Um, Jesus, chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed to you in these last times for your sake. Um, in these last times. I thought that was an interesting phrase that, that Peter uses. Uh, we're still in these last times, just like first century Christians. The work of Christ has brought out this new era, this new span of time, where sin has been defeated and we await his return. There's nothing else needed for us to defeat sin, to defeat death, but, but we get to live a holy life because of what Jesus has done. So we're in this, this last chapter of a hypothetical book, waiting for Jesus to return. Uh, we are in these, these last times, waiting for him. This isn't like um, many, many decades ago, a uh, famous artist, some of you might know, John Farnham, he had his last time tour. Uh, and since then, he's had several other last time tours as well. Uh, one of my favorite bands had their farewell tour in 2014. They're coming back to Australia this year to say farewell again. Uh, no, it's not the last time like these guys. Uh, Jesus has come for our sake, for the people in 1 Peter, for our sake to defeat sin. And we live in these last times, awaiting his return, waiting when he will sit in glory upon his throne. They are the last days we live in. Uh, we trust God to be saved. Our hope is in God who has given us in his son. The imperishable blood of Christ is what gives us hope. 
But the question for you today might be, what are you trusting in for your redemption? Silver, gold, precious gems, your good deeds, your services to humanity, how hard of a worker you've been, rocking up to church each Sunday. None of those things redeem you before God. But God has given us a way through his son to be redeemed. And it's only by his blood that we can be redeemed. Now you need to ask yourselves, which of those two are you trusting in? If you'd like to be redeemed in Jesus, then come and speak to us today. We'd love to help you think through that and walk with you through that time. Because it's everlasting. And this hope that God gives us is a hope that leads to love. Uh, Pick it up with me in verse 22. Uh, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. Sanctified, the idea of being sanctified is is that idea of being made holy, separating yourself, being made separate. Um, And Peter writes this and says, you have been sanctified uh, and you've been given new life. You've been born again. Uh, born again is a, is a phrase that has come up before. In John chapter 3, this is what uh, Jesus says to a Pharisee, Nicodemus, a teacher of the law. He says, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. You can't see or enter God's kingdom unless you are born again. You need to be born again by the Spirit of God. You need to be trusting in Jesus. And these people have been born again, that Peter is writing to. Um, They have been uh, planted by the Word of God in their hearts. And the work of God's Spirit has been continuing to water that uh, into Christian life and faith and hope. And we get to, when that happens to you, you acknowledge God as your Heavenly Father Because you've been born again in Christ. You've been given new life. And this purification of its new life that can only come from knowing how you've been bought, how you've been redeemed by Jesus. And that brings new life. That leads you to the command of loving one another deeply from the heart. It's the kind of radical love that is noticeable. And it would have been noticeable... um, the beginning of, of 1 Peter 1, these people are foreigners in all of these different places, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. They would be foreigners and they would look differently, not because of the clothes that they wore, not because of the food that they ate or the color of their skin, but they would be foreigners because they're not from that country or that world. They are foreigners Because they trust in Jesus Christ. They are longing for a kingdom to come that is eternal because they've been born again of Jesus. And it's that hope in that kingdom to come that leads to love. A love that is genuine, that is pure from the heart. A love that only God can give because he is good. Peter gives the believers a very clear picture of what it doesn't look like in chapter 2. He says things like, 
malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. They are things, ways that the people of God are not meant to live. A church of God should not have these things within them. And you might think they don't infiltrate a church, but absolutely they do. Maybe uh, grumbling or something like that. Grumbling might not feel like hypocrisy, but it definitely falls into that category of, oh, I'm not too happy about this. Maybe I could have done it better. Uh, Light-hearted banter can quickly turn to slander as you put someone down to try and build yourself up. But what God does is changes the heart and gives new life, a newborn Christian, and flips those things around. So the opposites of these are things like kindness, honesty, truth, generosity, praise. They are good things that come from knowing the Lord and all of His goodness. They are good things that come from new life born again. And those who have trusted Jesus have tasted that the Lord is good. And we will strive to be those things in all that we do. Now, we're going to fail. We're still going to do those things. And it's going to be up to us to then change the way that we speak. Change the way that we love one another within our church. But we have been born again of the imperishable word of God. And we should be striving to live that holy life for him. And that is a church that loves God, loves Jesus, loves one another loves deeply and loves from the heart. And all of that love comes from an everlasting hope. Uh, I always find it interesting having foreign embassies in our country and then having Australian embassies all around the world in different countries as well. This is the embassy for the United States that's found in Canberra. Um, And this embassy is a representative for the U.S., uh, the ambassador represents America uh, as a, in, in a foreign country, and there'll be stacks of these around the place. In all political matters they're called into, they speak like their homeland. And when you step into the fence of an embassy, you're stepping onto American soil. And that's the same with all the embassies in Australia for, for many, many different countries. Uh, Australia can't just go into the American embassy and try and set up a pool. Um, It can't force them to say thongs instead of flip-flops. It can't try and announce Vegemite as the national dish of America. Uh, The embassy and the ambassador have the final say on what is going to change and what they're going to do. As a church, we are like an embassy for God. And each one of us is an ambassador for a foreign nation, for a foreign world. And our lives have these metaphorical fences around us where we say no to evil desires, where we say no to those, those evil ways that we see in 1 Peter 2. If we are ambassadors, we speak our, our national language, which our languages of kindness, honesty, truth, generosity, praise, because they are the good things that come from God. And we hope to return and be back with our loving Heavenly Father, where our home really is. Our hope in the life to come leads to a loving language. It helps us as foreigners live in a world and live differently right here and now. 
because we have an amazing God, a God who is holy and impartial, a God who has given the blood of his Son for us. Praise God that we have hope that is like an everlasting gobstopper, one that we can always fall back onto, one that is built on the grace and blood of Jesus. Be thankful to God for who he has given us in Jesus Christ. But what's it going to look like to be a holy people, uh, looking forward to our Lord Jesus, but also loving one another here and now? Well, friends, we are about to move two congregations, some 200 plus people, over to Mayfield. Our prayer is that we will continue to hold on to the hope of Jesus, hold on to the hope of grace of Jesus Christ uh, in his imperishable and precious blood that he's spilt. And our prayer is that others may come to know him too. And in our time there, we might use our words to be full of kindness and help one another out. Instead of being deceitful, being truthful about how things are actually going to Mayfield. But while being truthful, also being generous, knowing that we're all going to be in the same boat, in a new location, in a new spot. And it might seem easier to move to a new location and let things take over our Sundays because church is just that little bit further away. But our Sundays can be holy, set apart, devoted to God. Not just during church hours, but afterwards as well. Uh, Giving each other a lift if they need to. Bringing someone over for a meal after church or before church if it's that little bit further for them. That shows a real devotion, a real love to God because of all that he's done for us in his son and our saviour Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Our Lord and Heavenly Father, We come before you knowing that we need redemption in your Son. Knowing that there's nothing we can bring to you to be saved. Help us to look to your Son for redemption. Help us to live holy lives as foreigners. Help us to look to you in all things, to live lives that are pleasing to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.